Remember when we all thought this pandemic would be over by September? Well, if I'm looking at my calendar right, it's still September and COVID-19 is quoting the words of Tom Brady before his Super Bowl win against the Los Angeles Rams. We're still here. Book a Farm Podcast, we back. Let's go. To the Book of Fawn podcast. Hope you're all doing well. It's been a little while. It's been about maybe two months since the last episode, and honestly, it was an unintentional summer break. Um, it wasn't exactly intentional, but it ended up working out because it was a much needed two months of reflection, much needed two months of really honing in on what my next steps will be, and um. A little bit clearer on our transition that I will I will mention at some point, but uh, just not ready to mention that yet. But I'm uh, glad to be back on, glad to be recording another episode, and quite a few things I want to talk about today. And uh, the first being, it's obviously um, two weeks old by the time this episode was recorded, but two weeks ago we lost uh, Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther. Jackie Robinson, but so, so much more. Just a really incredible person. And I think this death hit me pretty hard. You know, um, the Kobe Bryant death hit me really hard. You know, especially when it involved his daughter. Uh, It just messed me up. But hearing about Chadwick and hearing about, you know, having no clue that he had cancer. I mean, just like the whole world had no clue he had cancer. And all of a sudden getting the news that he passed hit me hard. And as someone who was a fan of his work, a fan of his art, it truly is a tragic loss. Um, It's a tragedy to, obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its fans. It's a tragedy to his family, a tragedy to even everybody he came across was devastated by this. And um, I think what was incredible to me was the support system he had. The fact that no one knew about his cancer diagnosis, even though it was maybe four to five years old. The media didn't know. The public didn't know. This was hidden under under wraps so well. You know, and it really goes to show you the people he surrounded himself with, the trust that he had in them, and even the trust that they gave back to him, the fact that they didn't never mention this to anybody, was amazing to see. And I, and I really wish that celebrities and all those, you know, everyone had a support system like that where they can trust people with their secrets. And if they didn't want something leaked out, that they didn't have to worry about it getting leaked out. And obviously Chadwick had that. And um, he was a hero. You know, prostate cancer is no joke. Um, Colon cancer, I'm sorry. Uh, Working in the cancer industry, you really see how cancer can really take the life out of someone and how it can do it really fast. You know, one day someone will be in remission. um, They'll be done with their chemo and you'll see a, a smile as bright as day. And then all of a sudden, you can see them come back a few months later and all of a sudden it looks like they've had the wind knocked out of them. And um, cancer really is a scary thing. It's a terrible thing. I wish it did not exist. It's taken way too many people and I hope we find a cure for this one day. Um, We need a cure for a lot of things nowadays, but cancer really is a tragedy and um, Chadwick will be missed. 
Obviously, we'll miss him as the Black Panther. Um, but I'm sure his family will miss Chadwick. And we'll miss his soul, his character. And um, that laugh that seemed to light up every room. I, I, almost, I was a mess when I saw um, Michael B. Jordan's post. I was waiting for his post. I was waiting to see what what he had to say and how he would respond. And it took him a few days. But to see the way he responded almost broke me. To see that man, Chadwick, have such an impact on so many lives. Even the lives that he never met. The lives that he never came across. But the fact that he had such an impact really shows the kind of man he is. So rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I don't really care about what happens to Black Panther 2 right now. Um, I just hope that the family is able to properly mourn and properly grieve uh, Chadwick. But, in other news, we also lost Tom Seaver, uh, Mets legend. Um, one, that was before my time, but I can appreciate someone's legacy and appreciate what someone did for this Mets organization. And Tom Seaver was one of the best. Literally, his nickname was the franchise because he was the foundation of of this Mets franchise and I know he'll be missed by fans and the organization and the like. So rest in peace Tom Seaver. Rest in peace Chadwick Boseman. Speaking of the Mets, oh boy. The last time I jumped on a podcast, the Mets had not begun the season yet. They were about to start the MLB just started summer camp and they were about to start maybe a few weeks later. But now we are fifteen games away from the end of the season already. And can I tell you something? Leave it to the Mets to make a 60-game season feel like an 162-game season. Now, the Mets, like, I thought the season would be better. You know, um, even if they were going to torture me, it would only be for 60 games. But, man, they made you feel like you were going through an entire four months of Mets baseball. I'm telling you from week one. Right at the beginning of it, there was so much drama Starting from the starting pitching issues, then all of a sudden, Yuan Cespedes went missing. You know, no one had a clue where he was, and fans were being concerned just to come to find out that he actually opted out of the season. So Yuanis went away, we're like, okay, you know, we could probably get past that. Then Stroman opts out. All of a sudden, what was supposed to be our strength ends up being one of our weaknesses. Now, even today, to this day, right now, the, the worst part of the Mets right now is their starting pitching, which was supposed to be the strength at the beginning of this. But leave it to the Mets to blow this as well. And they lost the pitcher, lost two pitches, lost Syndergaard in the offseason. When the season got canceled, I don't know how you get injured during a quarantine, but it happened. And then Strobin opts out. All of a sudden, the Mets are handicapped, literally relying on a perfect Jacob deGrom performance to at least win one one out of every five games. Now, it's, it's ridiculous. And then also, we had Brody um, during the, when the Mets were decided to not play on, I mean, strike is not the right word, but I guess that's the word we'll use when they went on strike and didn't play. Manfred had, I guess, had plans to just to have them walk off the field and come back at 8-10. And all of a sudden, we see this video get leaked. We see this conversation with Brody get leaked. And the entire world knows the plan at this point and leave it to the Mets to somehow leak this video to get into hot fire once again and 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 we all of a sudden everyone's laughing at us again I mean kudos to Brody for standing up and um and ha- letting the Mets pay tribute in a proper way not to come back on the field but 
coming off the field and not coming back to take a stand and to make sure that everyone focuses on the real issue that ha- at hand, and that's the systematic racism that exists in our country. Kudos to him for doing that, but leave it to the Mets to somehow leak that conversation. So this season has absolutely felt like a 162-game season, and it's only been 45 games. It's ridiculous. Leave it to the Mets. And of course, they're out of the playoffs right now. So guess what's going to happen? They're going to rally. They're going to win a few games. They're going to get me invested again. They're going to make me believe that they'll make the playoffs once again. And then they're going to crush my hopes. I'm fully expecting for that to happen. So my prediction that the Mets were the next stage of 2020 torture was true. It's been absolute torture so far. I'm ready for the season to be over. To make the playoffs, great. But I need my mental health back. I need to be at a healthy mental state once again. And when Mets baseball goes on, that just doesn't exist. But there is hope. There is hope, Mets fans. If you're listening to this, there is hope because Uncle Stevie is coming. Now, what I mean by Uncle Stevie is that Steve Cohen is in the final stages of purchasing the New York Mets. Now, some people ask me if I prefer A-Rod or J-Lo. And the answer is no. And I'll tell you why. The Mets have had spending issues throughout the entire existence of this organization, at least while I've been alive. You know, the Mets have never spent money, and if they have spent money, it's always gone in the wrong places. You know, the Wilpons are known to being cheap, they're known to being penny pinchers, and are known to, let's get this player, he's out of his prime, but let's see if he has anything left, and let's sign him to the deal and bring him on the Mets. He's a big name, but he's definitely an old name who will, who will not contribute to this team, but he, he'll make some jersey sales. That's how it's been the past few years. And I truly believe it starts at the top. I truly believe this is the culture that the Wilpons have brought upon the Mets organization. And, and it translates into the, the offseason decisions they make when it comes to trading away draft picks. You know, at, at this point, we traded away draft picks for Billy Hamilton and then released him. What a waste of a pick. I mean, it wasn't a high pick, but still, it's something. It's our future that you're you're compromising for the sake of winning what pretty much is a pointless season at this point. But Uncle Stevie is coming. And the reason why I want Steve Cohen is because Steve Cohen grew up a Mets fan. And not only is he a Mets fan, but he is a rich Mets fan. And when he buys the Mets, the Mets will be the richest organization in baseball. In other words, they'll be able to make whatever move they want. Now for years... I've been tortured by that other team in the Bronx. Every year they've made moves, spent big money on players, and their fans have tortured me as a result of it. Ha! Your team will never sign players like this. Nobody wants to come to the Mets. The Mets won't spend money on these players. The Mets don't are not serious about winning a championship. I've been hearing about that for years, but Steve Cohen has promised that he's going to spend big on the Mets. And it is true because you could look up the statue. Look up Google Steve Cohen statue. You'll see some hideous statue that he owns apparently. And it's worth like $46 million, if that, maybe more. So if this man is willing to pay $46 million on a hideous statue, how much more will he spend on bringing the championship to Queens, New York? Now, of course, that's the... uh, that's the optimism in me speaking. I hope that it's true. 
But A-Rod and J-Lo couldn't come up with the money to buy the Mets. They had to get everyone involved. I mean, Bradley Beal was involved. Mason Plumlee was involved. I mean, at one point, it, it was rumored that Barstow was involved. But there were so many different people involved in this conversation. Yet, they still didn't have the money to match up with Steve Cohen's offer. So, what, do I like the idea of A-Rod and J-Lo running the team? Yes, um, J-Lo's Puerto Rican. To have somebody running a team, to have um, you know, people of color running a team, um, owning a major league organization would have been incredible. But I want to ma- I want to make sure the team decisions are based off of what will help us to win a championship, not based off of what money dictates. And Steve Cohen has all the money in the world, is ready to throw money at this team, and I'm ready to celebrate on the Canon of Heroes. So I can't wait to have Steve Cohen deal with the issue. We're going to have a special podcast about it. We're going to celebrate. I can't wait. Matter of fact, I might even buy a Steve Cohen Mets jersey when that deal becomes official. Because as long as the Mets don't mess it up, there is hope, Mets fans. Change is coming. A championship is coming. And it starts with Steve Cohen's purchase of the New York Mets. I can't wait for that day. Now, speaking of sports, we've got the NBA and bubble basketball is wild. It's crazy. I mean, first of all, Adam Silver has done a better job than our president has when it comes to handling this pandemic. I mean, the guy made everybody quarantine for seven days when they were in the NBA bubble to make sure that there were no COVID positives and they were, he was going to make sure they were quarantined so that way they don't spread it to anybody else. And I believe as of maybe like a week or two after everyone entered the bubble, they had zero positive COVID cases and they have yet to have a positive case since the start of the season, which is incredible. I mean, kudos to Adam Silver. It seemed like a pipe dream. It seemed like something that might have been impossible, but he pulled it off. So kudos to Adam Silver. Kudos to the leadership there. I wish we had better leadership when it came to how this country handled this pandemic. And Adam Silver seems like he got that he did a great job. I wish more sports would have followed his lead as well. Because MLB has been a disaster. I mean, the Marlins, I can't even name you five players in the Marlins right now. Because so many have been quarantined. So many have been put aside because of an outbreak that happened within the team. I mean, it even affected the Mets at one point where they were basically shut down for four days because they had two positive cases within the team. But had you been in a bubble, like the NBA did, you wouldn't have to worry about that. So kudos to Adam Silver. What an incredible job he's done. Incredible job by the NBA. And it's been some entertaining basketball as of now. The Miami Heat, fifth-seeded Miami Heat, have defeated the first-seeded Bucks, which is something that nobody predicted going into this. I mean, the Bucks were dominant, number one on defense, number one on offense, uh, probably a reigning two-time MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Incredible team. East favorites by far. It, it, and it was pretty clear. It looked like the Milwaukee Bucks were going to take the Eastern Conference and at least make it to the finals and get a chance to win a championship. But Miami said, nope. And Jimmy Butler, man, you, you could say what you want about Jimmy Butler, his character, but man, that man is all about winning. He's all about uplifting his teammates. And he if he has teammates that will run with him, teammates that will ball with him, teammates that will grit the way he grits, man, he's going to bring them up, uplift them, defend them. He's such a great teammate. And it's it's reflected in Miami's performance in this bubble. And now they're four, games, four wins away 
from reaching the NBA Finals for the first time since the LeBron James era, which is incredible. So I'm looking forward to that. We got a Game 7 coming up with the Raptors and Celtics. What an incredible series so far. Um, Cel- Toronto is, is, is uh, gritty. Man, they fight every single game, even without Kawhi. They have been in every single game. I mean, shout out to Kyle Lowry. I feel like I don't, I can't stand him as a guy that is a Nets fan and he often plays against our teams and often torches my team. But Kyle Lowry, man, that man is the cornerstone of the Toronto Raptors franchise. I mean, he has been there through almost every single era from the DeMar DeRozan era to the Kawhi Leonard era and still keeping that team relevant. So shout out to him. He's doing an incredible job in the, in the bubble. Incredible performance last night. And the Raptors and Celtics are headed to a Game 7. And I can't wait to see that. Clippers are up 3-1 against the Nuggets. They're probably going to win that series. I mean, it's no surprise to anyone. In the, and the Lakers are up 2-1 on the Rockets. We're going to see that battle of LA that everyone wanted to see. Kawhi versus LeBron. Lakers and Clippers. That's going to be a good one. Hopefully that goes 7 games because I love 7 game series. But I want to see LeBron win a championship. I want to see the Lakers win a championship. I want to see them win it for not only the city of Los Angeles, which is going through so much right now, um, not only with this pandemic, but through the wildfires that have been happening. My prayers are with everyone in California, and I'm hoping this subsides soon. But LA needs this one, man. They need this for the city. They need this for the state. And even to to heal and, and to uh, to commemorate Kobe Bryant, what better way to commemorate the legacy of Kobe Bryant and the man that he is and to, to commemorate him and, and Gianna by winning a championship and bringing the championship to, to L.A.? That's what Kobe would have wanted. And so I hope that's exactly what the Lakers do because that city deserves it. So I'm rooting for the Lakers in this one. I think they're going to win it. I think we're going to get a Lakers and Heat matchup in the finals. Um, and that's going to be a good one because the Heat are such a gritty team. But I think at the end of the day, LeBron James and the Lakers will come out on top and win the NBA championship. So speaking of my team, the Brooklyn Nets, we just signed Steve Nash. So I'm excited for that because obviously Steve Nash was a great point guard, um, future Hall of Famer. Actually, I'm not sure if he already is. I don't think so. But Steve Nash was a great point guard, a great teammate, well-respected around the league, and probably one of the best three-point shooters that I've watched so to see him work with KD, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, to see him work with those guys is going to be something incredible to see. So I can't wait to see that. And I think it was a surprising choice. I mean, obviously there were rumors floating around about Greg Popovich, that Greg um, would somehow consider the Nets and the Nets will somehow be able to snag Greg Popovich. But little did you know, Sean Marks played the wild card and brought in Steve Nash, which was, which was who was on no one's radar. No one expected Steve Nash to come onto the Nets, but now he's our head coach. And Steve, let's bring a championship to Brooklyn. Let's bring the Nets back to relevancy. And let's take over New York. The Knicks are being talked about way too much, man. If the Knicks do a bad thing, they're being talked about more than the Nets' good thing. So we need the Nets to be the talk of the town again. And we can do that by bringing a championship to Brooklyn, New York. I can't wait for that. Travis Scott, Travis Scott, man, that man takes advantage of every opportunity. The other day, one of my friends was selling a pair of Nike SBs. Um, it was a a pair of Newcastle Nike SBs. Um, you can Google them. They're pretty nice sneakers. And, you know, the Nike SB 
error. Back then, SBs were hard to come by. They were hard to get. You couldn't get them unless you paid an outrageous price. And after a while, the price, the card decided to drop. And SBs weren't worth much anymore. If you had them in your closet, they'd probably sell for $100 or $200, which wasn't much when compared against the resale market at the time. But Travis Scott is somewhat responsible for bringing the SB culture back. Because every single pair that he wears, every single pair that he releases, is often reselling for big time money. So all of a sudden, every single SB pair of SBs that comes out on Nike Sneakers app is selling out within minutes. Every single time a pair of SB is released, it is impossible to get a hold of them unless you go through StockX or GOAT or any of these resale sites. But he is one of the big reasons why SB culture is sort of back, which makes me regret even selling the pairs that I had because I sold them for really cheap and now they're going for a lot of money. So I could have probably made a nice buck off of these SBs. But so my friend had these Newcastle SBs. He was selling them and couldn't get any any uh, any deals off them, couldn't get any sales, no interest off them whatsoever. And all of a sudden, Travis Scott puts an Instagram post up. And what is he wearing? The Newcastle Nike SB Dunks. So the minute he puts that picture up, people realize the shoes that he's wearing. And all of a sudden, the shoes that, that shoe's resale market soared to almost, I think it hit over a thousand. To the point where my friend's sneaker was purchased instantly. And for way less than what it was going for on StockX. Because people saw Travis Scott wearing them. And they decided to capitalize on that. They wanted to be like Travis Scott and wear those sneakers so they would pay any anything they had to pay to get a hold of that pair. That's hypebeast culture nowadays, and that's crazy. And what a hypebeast is, and I'm going to define that on this podcast because it probably will be used a lot, is a hypebeast is someone that goes after things because they are a part of the hype. Some, someone that goes after things because it's popular, not because they like them, but because it's popular, it's trending. So they'll go and go ahead and purchase it because it's so popular. And anyone who purchased the pair of Newcastles that Travis Scott wore in that uh, in that Instagram post would be considered a hype beast. So what did McDonald's do? McDonald's saw this. They were watching it, and they said, "You know what? Let's take advantage of this hype beast culture, and let's collaborate." With Travis Scott. The first celebrity they collaborated with. Since Michael Jordan. So they collaborated with him. And they created. This Cactus Jack meal. Which is what Travis Scott calls himself. I mean that name was originally used by Mick Foley. But Travis Scott now calls himself that. For whatever reason. And McDonald's said. Let's sell something called. The Cactus Jack meal. And we've got the genius idea. So whatever Travis Scott ordered. When he went to McDonald's, that's where we're going to put on this meal. So what they did was, it's basically a quarter pounder, a Sprite, some fries, and barbecue sauce. And they're selling it for $6. Now that is the same thing as a regular quarter pounder meal. You can literally get that meal at any point. At any time you order McDonald's, you can get the quarter pounder meal. But they said, let's put the Travis Scott name on it and watch us sell out of these. So all of a sudden, people flock to McDonald's to order this Cactus Jack meal. 
And there's this running joke going around that the meal has made itself, made its way to StockX and is reselling for a high amount. But it's basically a quarter pound of meal. I don't even know why people are wasting their time. It's genius marketing. Kudos to McDonald's for taking advantage of the culture. But it's a basic quarter pound of meal. You're not getting anything new about it. You won't feel like Travis Scott when you eat that meal. You certainly won't be as rich as him when you make that meal. I guess the $6 price point is a great selling factor. But it's a basic quarter pounder meal, people. You're not getting anything out of that. But kudos to McDonald's for cashing in. And kudos for Travis Scott for cashing in as well. Because if McDonald's came to me and said, hey, let's make a deal, you bet I'm making it. And uh, Travis Scott released a ton of merch with McDonald's times cactus jack clothing they even sell they're even selling a light a body pillow that looks exactly like a chicken mcnugget which is kind of scary if i see that in anyone's house um i'm leaving because that is a frightening thing to look at but mcdonald's took took bait they they took advantage of the culture and now mcdonald's employees are being tortured everywhere saying by Customers and what custom, what McDonald's Twitter has told customers to say to McDonald's employees is Cactus Jack sent me. So I'm sure all McDonald's employees are never listening to a Travis Scott album again. They're never listening to another Travis Scott song. And they never want to hear the words Cactus Jack again because people have gone into the windows probably day, all day, all night trying to get this Cactus Jack meal. They're probably sick of it. They probably roll their eyes every time they hear Cactus Jack sent me. And it doesn't even come with anything cool. It doesn't come with a toy. It doesn't come with anything Travis Scott related. It's just a basic quarter pounder with fries, a medium Sprite, and a side of barbecue sauce. Incredible marketing. Incredible execution by McDonald's. Shame on everybody harassing McDonald's employees by saying Cactus Jack sent me. And kudos to the McDonald's employees for not going crazy yet, if they haven't already. And it's nuts. So, don't check out the Cactus Jack meal. It's a basic, basic quarter pounder meal. Um, you can get that at any point in McDonald's, I'm sure. But it worked. It's, it's some money for Travis Scott. Some I'm, I'm sure a lot of money for McDonald's. And they took advantage of the culture. So, kudos to them. Speaking of culture... There's a number one trend, a new number one trending song. I don't know if it's still at the top of the charts, but uh, the song is based off an acronym, and it's called WAP. Now I will not discuss what the acronym is for. I mean, figure it out if you haven't heard the song a gajillion times already. If you live in New York City, that song is played everywhere you go. But this is a message to Christians, churches, and ministries. Now I saw. Church of Laugh post something the other day. Let me just pull it up here because I want to make sure the info is correct. They named their worships their worship service. They named it WAP. Worship and praise. Now, dear Christians, do not do this. Stop it. Alright? Now I'm guilty of using pop culture as a clever way to name servant sermons, a clever way to name sermon series. I've used um, Walk It Like I Talk It as a sermon title. I've used In My Feelings as a sermon title. I've used Project X as a sermon title. I've used um, a bunch of DJ Khaled 
um, slogans, uh, major key as a sermon title. But I think we've gone too far here. By using the acronym WAP, that stands for something totally different, far from worship and praise. So please, do not do this to the church that did this. Please take this down. Don't even think about it. I saw a bunch of churches when uh when Jada, when that whole scandal with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and um, August and Will Smith came out, all of a sudden that word entanglement became so popular that it became the title of sermon series. The title of sermons uh, became pastors started using it to send out clever tweets, taking advantage of the culture. But I think using WAP. As an acronym for worship and praise. As a way to advertise your sermon, your service, your sermon series. We have gone too far. And please, I'm begging you. If you're a leader of a church, leader of a ministry. And you have any say, any creative say. Please, stop your church from using WAP as a, as a sermon name, as a sermon title. Do not do that. That is going too far. Too far. Now, I'm all for being culturally relevant, but that's being too, too culturally relevant. So do not even think about it. It's embarrassing at this point. Come on. It's embarrassing. So don't do that. Do not name your worship and praise service WAP. It's not going to end well. People are going to make more assumptions and uh, outside assumptions. But anyway, I had one thing I want to talk about today and to kind of get a little, not a little serious, but this, uh, obviously, our president is known for saying some outlandish things. And um, I won't tell you who, who to vote for on this podcast, but what I will tell you is to vote, is to use your power to vote. Um, voting is a way to make our voice heard. Voting is a way that, is a way for us to be heard. And our, our it, it'll reflect what we believe and what our opinions are. We won't just tweet about them. We won't just say them. We won't just repost things on Instagram about it. But we're actually doing something about it when we vote. And I'm um, not just vote for this upcoming election. But vote in general. Vote for for those sitting in, in Congress. Vote for those um, represented in your communities. Because it's it's there where, where, uh, where the impact is most made. So if you take part of these local elections. It will have a greater impact in the long term. So use your right. Vote. If you felt have felt a certain type of way about either of the candidates, now is the time to use your voice. Vote. Register today. I'm not getting paid to do this, but I just believe in voting. Um, I believe in using your right to vote. And I think that people who don't vote are wasting their right. You know, especially if you've been active on social media, if you've been active about either candidate on social media and you don't vote, what are you talking about? You know, you're really just talking and having no action. So please go register to vote. Vote when it comes to election day. Make sure if you're doing a mail-in ballot, make sure you register early because that ballot has to be out by a certain date. So if you are doing that, make sure you're on top of that early so that way your vote your vote could can be counted. Uh, but yesterday some news came out about a book that um that was coming out about our president. And um, one of the things that was quoted by our president and that was uh, some audio that was leaked was basically um, our president downplaying the uh, not downplaying but stating the real threat that COVID-19 was going to have in our nation stating how 
uncontrollable it was, how it was airborne. And it, it was the total opposite of what he has said in the public. Because going going back to the beginning of this pandemic, he was totally against mask, totally against um, social distancing, totally against anybody panicking, downplaying the effect of the virus. And yet we've seen firsthand, especially here in New York City, we've seen firsthand the impact of this virus, the impact of this pandemic, the impact of even people, people downplaying how serious this virus was. And so he was caught on audio. I mean, not caught. He said it willfully, stating that this this virus was a real threat, yet downplayed it in the public eye. So yesterday he was questioned about it during one of his briefings. And, um, and one of the things he said is, I'm not going to say the full quote, but I'm going to say what really stuck out to me here. And, um, and I want to piggyback off this after I say it. So one of the things he said, the reason why he didn't want he didn't uh share the seriousness of the virus the reason why he didn't share how much of, a, of an impact this virus really was going to have was this he says i didn't want to create panic we want to show confidence we want to show strength as a nation and um and one, one of the things i didn't say here was oh he also mentioned that you know he had to show himself as a leader so in other words you know as a leader, he didn't want to create panic. He wanted to show confidence and strength. Now, here's our leadership lesson and something I've learned in my short time as a leader. Leadership isn't always about showing strength. It's not always about showing confidence. It's not about downplaying realities. But leadership is about being able to deliver the hard news. The stuff that people don't want to hear. It's to be able to tell the truth no matter how much it may hurt. No matter how much it may scare people. But as leaders, true leadership tells the truth. And I feel like at, at that statement, I mean, you know, people will hear what they want to hear. But I heard him defining leadership as always showing confidence and strength. And that's not true. Because leadership is about showing vulnerability. It's about showing that we're weak. It's about delivering that hard news. But not just delivering the hard news. Not just saying the stuff that people don't want to hear. But creating a plan to overcome it. Okay, here's how bad this virus is going to be. But here's how we're going to overcome it as a nation. That was a leadership obstacle that he failed. But as leaders... We can't shy away from the truth. You know, lying isn't showing strength. Downplaying things for the sake of our reputation, for the sake of our confidence, for the sake of our strength isn't leadership at all. But leadership is about being vulnerable. You know, I saw a video today and I didn't, I didn't see the whole video. I just read a few tweets about it. About Skip Bayless uh, criticizing uh, Cowboys quarterback uh, Dak Prescott for... Being vulnerable about his mental health during this pandemic and how he he was being vulnerable and honest about how he wasn't mentally okay during all of this and how he was worried and how he was anxious all the time while this pandemic was going on. And Skip Bayless questioned it and said, man, is he really built for this? What does that show as a leader? I read that and I, 
I'm questioning Skip Bayless's definition of leadership. Because leadership isn't about always showing strength. It isn't about always showing confidence. But it's about being raw, honest, transparent, and vulnerable. And it's being mature enough to admit your vulnerable your vulnerability, admit your weakness, and say, you know what? This hurt me too. This affected me too. But together, we're gonna overcome it. And I and if anything, that shows leadership in Dak Prescott more than anything else he's done in his career because of his ability to be vulnerable and risk his reputation for the sake of his vulnerability. And to show others, hey, if your mental health was affected by this, you are not alone. And to anyone listening to this, if this pandemic has had a has been rough on you mentally, if it's had if, if this isolation has been tough on you, I want you to know that you are not alone. You're not alone in this. We are all in this together. We will all overcome this together as my watch is beeping in the background. We're in this together. And if you get anything out of this podcast is that leadership isn't about showing strength. It isn't about always looking good in front of people, but it's about people seeing your vulnerability and people seeing, hey, I'm like you too. And I go through struggles just like you through, but you know what? We're going to get through this together. That's what leadership is. That's when, when I see vulnerability, when I see transparency, when I see somebody being raw and open and honest about how they feel, that shows leadership to me. So let's be leaders today, guys. Let's show that vulnerability. Let's be open and honest about how we feel and not worry what people have to say. So that we may be able to go alongside them and help them up and hold them and get through them, get through this together because we can't get through, get through this alone. We need each other. And that's where leadership is. It's being open and honest about what we're going through so that other people can relate to us and we can help get through this together. Now that's really all I got for today, but, um, but let's be leaders as I close this podcast. I'm closing it like a sermon here. But um, I'm excited to get back to recording again. I have a few guests in mind for the next few episodes. They don't know yet, but they will know soon. And if you're one of these, one of those guests listening to this episode, I'll be calling you soon. So get ready and make sure your Zoom is ready. Make sure you got a microphone because we're going to record some quality, quality audio. And uh, if you haven't yet, do me a favor, please subscribe to the Book of Fun podcast. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. The Book of Juan is available. And do me a favor, subscribe, share this, and even rate it. Rate it helps me. It helps to get this podcast out to more people. And it also lets me know how much you appreciated this episode. If you hated it, Right, you hated it. Uh, throw me some feedback. But if you loved it, throw a five-star rating. Um, I prefer five-star ratings just in case. Just kidding. But I appreciate um, you all listening. Appreciate uh, you all rating, subscribing, and sharing this podcast. And I can't wait to get started. There's a lot more things on the way. A lot more things on the horizon. And this is a new season. So I'm excited for it. So thank you all for listening. It's Book of Juan. It's Jonathan signing off.